Welcome once again to Calvary Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Ron Hudson, lead pastor. We're starting a brand new series today called Becoming Incredible. And to start, I want to show you a video clip from the movie, uh, and then we're going to talk about it. Making weird faces again. No, I'm not. You make weird faces, honey. You have to read at the table. Uh, yeah. Smaller bites, Dash. Yikes. Bob, <laughs> could you help the carnivore cut his meat? Ow. Dash, you have something you want to tell your father about school? Uh, um, well, we dissected a frog. Dash got sent to the office again. Good, good. No, Bob, that's bad. What? Dash got sent to the office again. What? What for? Nothing. He put a tack on the teacher's chair during class. Nobody saw me. You could barely see it on the tape. They caught you on tape and you still got away with it? Whoa. You must have been booking. How fast do you think you were Bob, going? We are not encouraging this. I'm not encouraging. I'm just asking how fast you Honey! Right. Oh, First a car, now I gotta pay to fix the tape. The car? What happened to the car? Here, I'm getting a new plate. <clears throat> so, how about you, Vi? How was school? Nothing to report. You've hardly touched your food. I'm not hungry for meatloaf. Well, it is leftover night. We have steak, pasta. What are you hungry for? Tony Reidinger. Shut up. <laughs> well, you are. I said shut up, you little insect. Oh, she is. Do not shout at the table. Honey? Kids, listen to your mother. She'd eat if we were having Tony Loaf. That's it! Hey! Superhero rights is missing. Gazer beam. Bob, it's time to engage. Do something. Don't just stand there. I need you to intervene. You want me to intervene? Okay, I'm intervening. I'm intervening. Sister, let go of your brother. Hey, Lucius. Hey, Speedo. Hey, Helen. Hey, Bob. Hey. Jack, Jack. Ice of you to drop by. <laughs> Never heard that one before. Oh! Oh, I like it when it shatters. I'll be back later. Hey, where are you two going? It's Wednesday. Oh, bowling night. Say hello to honey for me, Lucius. Well, we'll do. Uh, good night, Helen. Good night, kids. Don't think you've avoided talking about your trip to the principal's office, young man. Your father and I are still going to discuss it. I'm not the only kid who's been sent to the office, you know. Other kids don't have superpowers. Now, it's perfectly normal Normal? What do you know about normal? What does anyone in this family know about normal? Now, wait a minute, young we lady. act normal, Mom. I want to be normal. The only normal one is Jack-Jack, and he's not even toilet trained. <laughs> Lucky. Oh, I, I meant to not be normal. You ever had a dinner like that? You know, minus the super, superpowers. We're in a, a brand new series today called Becoming Incredible, and over the next four weeks, 
it's my hope that we will learn how to become incredible in family. How to become incredible at doing family in a way that honors God. Because becoming incredible means practicing hope. Becoming incredible means practicing hope. But before we can talk about hope, we really need to talk about despair. And in the clip, you saw a family in complete despair. Like, everybody was in despair in the entire thing. Let's start with Bob. Bob used to be Mr. Incredible. He was on top of the world. He had super strength, super power. Everybody wanted to be him. Kids wanted to be like him. He was the man with the girl. Bob was Mr. Incredible. Bob Parr, he was a hero, famous, strong. He could stop any bad guy. He could save any good guy. He had purpose, and he had identity, and he knew exactly what he was supposed to do in the world, but then everything changed. Bob was sued by a guy who he saved his life. He saved this guy's life from committing suicide, and then the guy sued him because he stopped him from committing suicide. You stopped me from doing what I wanted to do. And then he got sued by a whole train full of people that he, he saved from derailing, but they didn't, they didn't like it. So he got sued. All the supers had to go into hiding. And so Bob has to go into hiding. They have to pack away their incredible identity, their incredible strength, their incredible powers, and pretend to just be normal. So they got a house, they got jobs, they had kids, and Bob worked a soulless job at a soulless company his boss was a tiny little man that cared about nothing but money. And Bob wanted to help people. When they would come in, it was an insurance company, they'd come in with a claim, and his boss forbid him from actually helping to pay the claim, even when they deserved it. He was supposed to, to change the numbers and give them the runaround and make a bunch of red tape so they couldn't get the claim. And Bob just wanted to help. That's who he was, but he was trapped. He was trapped in a tiny little office in the film, the filmmaker's Notice how they put that giant pillar in his cubicle? It's to show us and convey that there's this big man trapped in this tiny little space. He's trapped in a tiny little office where he works for a tiny little boss. He drives to work in a tiny little car. He lives in a tiny little house with no purpose and no legitimate way out. Right? There's no legitimate way out, and that's exactly what despair is. Despair means that I'm trapped. Despair means I have no purpose, Despair means that I have no legitimate way out. Maybe there's a way that I could get out of the situation, but that would, that would require me violating my character and who I say that I am. And so I'm trapped. I'm stuck in this place and can't move out. Despair means no hope. And Bob married Elastigirl, who once said this. You kidding? I'm at the top of my game. I'm right up there with the big dogs. Girls, come on. Leave the saving of the world to the men? I don't think so. All <laughs> right. Last, that was the question. The question was asked to her, you know, do you ever want to settle down? Do you ever think about settling down? She says, leave the, leave the saving the world of the men? I don't think so. I'm Elastigirl. Elastigirl was amazing. Elastigirl was loose and fancy free. Elastigirl could literally stretch her arms and fly across the rooftops. She was free. She was free. She had an incredible purpose. She helped people. She said in the very beginning of the movie that she never wanted to be tied down because she's Elastigirl and nobody can tie Elastigirl down. Look at that imagery, right? She's literally stuck with her arms tied down around the table with her kids. Look at her now. 
she's doing everything possible to desperately try to hold her family together. Everything she can, and it's stretching her, literally stretching her to a breaking point. Everything she, she could do to just hold them together. Forget her dreams, her wants, even her needs. She's just trying to hold her family together. And she just does what she has to do day after day after day after day. And it seems like the more that she tries to bring her family together, the farther apart they get and the farther apart they, sh- they spread. And she just keeps trying. But she's trapped. She's trapped in despair with no purpose, no legitimate way out, and no hope. Dash and Violet and Jack are the kids. Jack Jack's just the baby. He's cute. And he's the only one in the family that doesn't have an obvious superpower. And this drives Violet insane. Violet can't stand that Jack Jack doesn't have an ability because she's a teenage girl and all she wants is to just be normal. Can I please just be normal? This is what she says in the clip. She has this incredible ability to become invisible, to create force fields, but she's jealous. She just wants to be normal. She hates that she has these stupid powers. She just feels weird. She desperately wants to fit in with the kids at school, to be seen as normal, but her family is so different. Her body is different. The things she likes to do are different than the things that everybody else likes to do, and she can never, ever let herself be seen because if she lets herself be seen, then she knows she'll be rejected. So she hides. She literally hides. She disappears. And she's trapped in her own body. Dash, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. Dash loves his abilities. He thinks his abilities are the key to his identity. He thinks his abilities are what's going to get him um, acceptance. And so he wants to run. He wants to try out for sports. And his parents, the authority in his life, say, no. No, you can't do that. No, you can't say that. No, you can't go there. No, you can't be around that. So so Dash is is trapped by authority in his life. His parents won't let him do anything, won't let him play sports, won't let him run, won't let him use his gifts at all. And Dash is trapped. He's trapped by authority in his life, telling him no. Everybody in the entire family is trapped. In the scene, even Jack-Jack is trapped in a high chair. Right? He's stuck. Everybody is trapped. Do you ever feel trapped? Do you ever feel like you're stuck? Like you don't have purpose? Like there's no legitimate way out other than breaking your own character, other than becoming someone you never thought you would become? Do you ever feel like you have no good options? Do you ever feel like there's no hope? I do. I do. There are times in my life There have been days, there have been weeks, there have been months, and at times there's even been years where I felt no hope, completely trapped. When I was a a teenager in Japan, I felt so alone. And when I was a kid, even before then, I felt so alone, being homeschooled, moving around a lot, not being near friends. And any time I was around people, because I was ADD, because I had terrible social skills, I often heard, why don't you just go away and leave us alone? And that crushed me as a kid. It'll crush you as an adult. Just get away. 
just leave, just leave me alone. That will crush you, and it crushed me. I spent lots of time crying, saying, why can't I just be normal? Even when I'm on medication, apparently I'm not bearable to the other kids. Why can't I just be normal? God, why can't I just be normal? Why does my brain run a million miles an hour and I say stupid stuff all the time and I do stupid stuff all the time and I get in trouble? Why can't I just be normal? I thought it would never end. I thought I would never have a friend. I thought I would be alone for life and that there would be no hope. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do you say to a kid in that situation, to an adult in that situation? What do you say to to someone who is in a loveless marriage for how many years and they just have no hope? And you say, well, I've tried. I've tried that. I tried that. I tried that. I tried that. I tried that. And there's... what do you say? What do you say to somebody who, who is, is so far gone that they just feel like, man, the only option is, is suicide, but if I do that, that would violate my character, you know? So there's no valid way out. What do you say to someone who is, who is bullied constantly? What do, you, what do we say? What do we do when, when life is just really, really hard and the day after day after day, it's the same thing again and again and again and you go to bed and you're just tired? You go to bed and you're just tired and you're tired and you wake up tired and you go to bed tired and it's hard and it seems like there's no hope at all. What do we do in those situations? Well, we do what the Incredibles did. There's three major ways to deal with despair that most people use, that the world gives us, and most of us are really good at this. Way number one is we grind. We grind. We just grind it out and we just keep going. There's the grind, the escape, and the given. Helen is a classic grinder. She is in the grind. She just continues. Helen thinks the only option is to try harder. We just got to keep trying harder. In fact, if you would try harder, and if we would all try harder as a family, I know it's a bad situation, but if we would all just, just try harder, then we would, we would get through this, or we would survive, and we might make it. She knows they're in a bad situation, but crying about how bad things are won't fix it, right? It won't fix it. It's just going to make us feel bad, and we still got to get up tomorrow and do yet another day of the same old, same old, same old. So why talk about it? There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to say. Like, we, don't, we don't need to talk because we just have to get up tomorrow, and nothing's going to change, and we just got to keep trying. Bob escapes, Right? Bob escapes. Bob doesn't think he needs to try harder. Bob thinks he needs to try later. Right? Now's not a good time. I can't talk about this right now. I'm busy. We can't, we can't deal with this. Yes, I, I understand that's important, but not right now. Not right now. Now, you guys don't know anybody like that, right? <laughs> not right now. In fact, he doesn't even stay at the table. You notice that? He's reading the newspaper. He's not engaged. And then he does get engaged, and then he breaks the plate, and as soon as there's there's problem, he gets up from the table and what? Leaves. He escapes the room. And then he comes back in. Fine, you want me to intervene? And he intervenes. I'm intervening. The only thing he knows how to do is use his superpower. <laughs> and as soon as his friend shows up, he's out the door to bowling. And he's not really going bowling. See, Bob is moonlighting as a superhero. He's, he sits in the car with his friend listening to the police scanner, hoping 
to live the fantasy of his glory days again. He escapes into fantasy. Escape. Dash and Violet are both use the third way of dealing with despair. They give in to it. Dash stops trying. Why should I try? My parents are unreasonable. They're going to say no anyways. I try to do things. Nobody cares, so why even try? So I'll just do whatever the flip I want, right? I'll just do what I want, and I'm going to mess around at school, and I'm going to get in trouble, and I'll try to wheel and deal, and it'll be fine. And you know what? My parents don't like it, so what? What are they going to do? They can't catch me anyways, right? (laughs) Why even try it all? Violet becomes the ultimate spokesperson for despair. And we have some of some spokespeople for despair here today, I'm sure. Violet becomes the ultimate spokesperson for despair. At dinner, she says, I don't like the meatloaf. I don't like this. I don't like the food. I don't like dinner. I don't like this family. I don't like my life. I don't like my body. I don't like any of this. It's all terrible. It's all terrible. She doesn't like herself. She thinks nobody cares about her. Nobody wants her. She might as well hide until she dies. And even if she did die, nobody would miss her and nobody would care. She is the ultimate spokesperson. And Violet embraces despair and often disappears completely into it. So what about you? What is your go-to response to despair? Are you a grinder? You just grind it out? Just put your head down and try harder right if you're a grinder every almost every sermon you come in here you're going to walk away thinking i need to try harder (laughs) or are you an escaper are you an escaper maybe you've come to a point uh where, where you just like try to walk away some of you have even become the spokesperson for despair and you just give in you just give in to despair and you become the uh the spokesperson like the old hee haw song um, some ladies introduced this to me this week. You know this one? Gloom, despair, and agony on Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. <laughs> if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> right? Hee-haw. I'd never heard that before. I got to eat lunch with uh, some ladies at the calendar party, and they, I, was, I, I talked to them about despair because I'm working on the message. And they said, oh, yeah, this song. And I'm like, that's perfect. That's perfect. You become the spokesperson for despair. Everything's bad. You ever met somebody like that? Yeah. And your conversation starts out fine, but always the conversation goes back into this like oh it's terrible and it's the democrats or the republicans or this or that and they're ruining our health care they're ruining our life and it's those people over there and it's the blah 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 blah, blah and there's no reason and you just want to like die <laughs> rather than listen to them anymore they're just sucking the joy out of your soul have you have you ever tried to help someone in despair whether they're in the grind or they're, they're escaping or they become the spokesperson and just given in to it. Have you ever tried to help someone in despair? They're running frantic. Their brain is numbed out in escape or everything's negative and every conversation leads to a complaint. And you ask them if they want to talk about it. And what do they say? Talk about what? I'm fine. 
There's nothing to talk about. What do you want me to say? There's nothing to talk about. I don't have anything to say. And you just want to grab them by the face. Say, look at me! Look at me! You're not okay! We're not okay! What's wrong? What is wrong? Right? Why won't you tell me what's wrong? And they say, I'm fine. Why do they say that? Why do they say I'm fine? Why would someone who is obviously in despair or in a terrible situation sit across from their pastor or their friend or family member and say, I'm good? Why would they lie? It's because they don't believe that you can handle the truth. They don't believe you actually want to know the truth. They really don't. As a pastor, I've sat with people in despair in their darkest moments. Some of you have too. Some of you have been there. And the conversation usually goes something like this. usually starts with, fine, you want to know the truth? I'll tell you the truth. To be perfectly honest. And that's in there. The word truth, the word honest, is always there. To be perfectly honest. And what follows is a well-rehearsed speech. The speech is so well rehearsed because they say it to themselves day in and day out over and over again. And they're finally going to tell you what they really think about themselves and the world. And it's full of really, really good reasons that they're not okay. They're getting bullied. They're in a terrible situation at work. They're stuck with a physical condition they have no control over. They have a loveless marriage. They have a broken home. They're out of work. There's plenty of reasons to be in despair. And they will give you plenty of legitimate reasons to be upset and to be in despair. But they don't stop there. Then they'll tell you what that means about them. So they give the list of reasons, legitimate reasons, why their life is terrible. And then they go on. And it's because. It's because I'm terrible. It's because I suck. It's because I'm worthless. It's because I'm an idiot and I always make poor choices. It's because, it's because, it's because I'm a loser. There. Are you happy now? I said it. I'm a loser, and that's why my life is this way. It almost always goes there. And you will think about things to say. You're sitting with this person, you love them, you care about them. And what are you going to say to them? What are you going to say? You're going to pick grind or escape, probably. Well, you know, I know you're going through a tough time right now, but we all got tough times. And you're going to come through it. You just got to hang in there. I know you're in high school and it stinks, but this isn't the end of your life. It's only a season, and you're going to get through it. So just keep on trying. Or escape. Have, you know, oh, your marriage is having problems. Why don't you just, uh, have you tried vacation? You know, get away and do something or do something else. Have you tried this? Maybe you should take up a hobby. You have you thought of taking up a hobby? <laughs> And those aren't bad ideas. They're not 
bad advice. It just doesn't fix it. It doesn't get you where you need. It doesn't solve the problem for the person who's in despair. You just got to grind. You just got to escape. But all too often when someone says, if I'm honest or to be perfectly honest, then they tell you the story of their despair and we believe them and we accept their truth. And most of us know despair. We know it well. And when someone else tells us their story, their story of despair rings true to us. Because we're all really good at despair. We have practiced despair. We know exactly how despair works. But becoming incredible means practicing hope. Despair says we are trapped and that hope is just a waste of time. Despair says that hope is for idiots and dreamers, for pie-in-the-sky thinkers with rose-colored glasses who don't live in the real world. I'm really good at saying that, right? Because <laughs> I say it all the time. I live in the real world. I'm pragmatic. I'm practical. Yeah. And despair says that hope is for idiots. Despair says despair is real and hope is fake. But is that true? Is despair the reality of the universe and hope just a pipe dream? Or is there a hope that exists that's strong enough like the handle in the car to pull you up into the vehicle that you can hold on to, a foundation in a storm that will get you actually, not just through life, but solidly firm-footed through life. Hope that you can actually build a family on. Is hope real? Is it just for lucky people? In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes this beautiful letter of hope to the church at Ephesus. He says in verse 13, he's talking about Christ. He says, Christ, in whom ye also trusted. You have trusted. You have trusted in Christ. The you also here is amazing because it means me. It means you. It means us. He's talking to people not just 2,000 years ago, but you also. If you have trusted in Christ, Paul is talking to you in this passage now. You trusted in Christ. You also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, you heard the truth and you trusted it. The gospel of your salvation in whom also, after you believed, you trusted, you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have been gifted something very incredible. We have been gifted something very incredible. Paul says we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit of God. When you decided to follow Jesus, when you confessed your sin, when you invited Jesus into your life, then God, the creator of the universe, creator of all things, all-powerful, he gifted you his spirit, his Holy Spirit to live with you here and now. He brought your spirit back from the dead, and then he took his spirit and put his spirit inside of you to live in you, with you, in this amazing, mysterious relationship so that you would not be alone. So that you would have a superpower. 
And the Holy Spirit is alive inside of you. And he did this as an antidote to despair. It is a superpower. Pastor Ron, I have a superpower? Yes, Cam, you have a superpower. So where are the mass proud? I have a superpower? Do you guys want to know how it works? The superpower? I always wanted to have a superpower as a kid. So this is, this is pretty cool. He goes on, he says, Wherefore, because you have the superpower, because you have the Holy Spirit of God, the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, because you have this, and I know you have this, because I've heard of your faith in Christ, he goes on, cease not, I cease not, to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul says, because I've heard that you have received the Holy Spirit, that you have this power in you, I pray for you. And here's what Paul's prayer is for you and your superpower. He says, this is his prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. See, the Holy Spirit has the ability to to express itself in many ways. And one of the ways it can express itself is the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is when you know like the right answer even if you don't have the science behind it. Okay? That's that's a a great way of saying it. You know, I, I, I probably shouldn't touch that because it might be hot. Well, is it hot? I don't know. So then you can't say you shouldn't touch it because you don't know if it's hot or not. But wisdom is, I'm not an idiot. I'm not gonna chance it. Okay, that's, I don't know all the answers. I don't know all of the variables. I don't know all of the, what's going on. But wisdom is knowing what is the wise choice. And the Holy Spirit allows us to have eyes that could see with wisdom. With wisdom. And he goes on. Having give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Other translations say, the eyes of your heart would be opened. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. The superpower that you have is that God can open your heart's eyes to see with wisdom the hope that is real, that is available to you in this world. To see hope. When no one else can see hope, If you have this superpower, the Holy Spirit of God, you can see hope. You can see hope. You can see it. The reality of it. I pray God will use this superpower in you to open your eyes of understanding that you will know what is the hope of His calling. To know what is the hope of His calling. The riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints, he goes on. Immeasurable, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us, above all rule and powers above all things. Your superpower from God through his Holy Spirit is this. You are able, through the eyes of your heart, through the eyes of your understanding, to see the reality of hope. When despair is real, and despair is very real, despair will eat your lunch. Despair is not something to mess with. It's all around us. But just because despair is real doesn't mean that hope isn't just as 
legitimate, just as real. And it is the eyes of your heart through the filter of the Spirit of wisdom that allows you to see the reality of hope in the midst of despair. So, how many of you would say I'm a Christian? All right, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't. All right, so you're Christians. You've asked Jesus into your heart. You have the Holy Spirit, so why are you terrible at this? That's where I got stuck at the message. Wow, this is awesome. There's hope. So why do we all stink at it? Why? Because we're really, really good at despair. Like, despair is our home game. Like, we're just really, really good. We are skilled. We are expert despairers. We spent most of our life despairing. It is our go-to tool. It is our ability. It is the thing that we know and use really well. And practicing hope, becoming incredible, means practicing hope. Practicing. Most of us don't just have a natural perfect golf swing. I don't know what I would do it if, it, if I did. <laughs> Most of us don't have a perfect like, bat swing for baseball. Most of us don't have perfect form for running. Most of us don't have perfect form for anything. We have to learn these things. I still don't know how to write in a way that's legible. We have to learn these things. Becoming incredible means practicing hope. I want you to say that with me. Okay? On three. One, two, three. Becoming incredible means practicing hope. Let's say that again. Becoming incredible means practicing hope. One more time. Becoming incredible means practicing hope. And we, we stink at hope because we don't practice it. We don't practice hope. How do you practice hope? How do we get better at hope in our homes as families? How do we get better at hope than we are at despair? Well, that's what we're going to learn over the next few weeks together through this series, Becoming Incredible. But today, I'm going to give you your first exercise. I'm super excited about the series. I think it's going to change your life. I have hope that God is going to teach us as a church, as individual families, to, to start to hope, to practice hope, so that we can start believing hope, so that we could use the superpower that God has given us that just lays dormant most of the time because we're really good at despair. So, this week I'm going to give you your first exercise in hope. But i got to warn you, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's going to feel so strange. You're going to think I'm an idiot. It is exceedingly silly, especially if you are currently in the throes of despair. This is going to feel so ridiculous and so silly. And you're going to be tempted to just laugh it off and completely ignore this exercise that Pastor Ron has come up with for you and your family to practice hope. But remember, when you work out, it feels weird, doesn't it? When you work out and try a new exercise, it feels strange. Why? Because your muscles aren't used to it. Because you're not good at it. Because you haven't become used to it. In fact, practicing hope a lot of times is going to feel strange to you because you're not used to doing it. And you're especially not used to doing it in community as a family or in community with friends or at work. We're just not used to it. But the result is great strength. 
So what we're going to do is have a code word. We're going to have a code word. And when somebody in your family says the code word, this is going to trigger your family, one or two of you, whoever's around, to practice hope. When someone says the code word, when you feel, when you feel despair knocking, you come home from work, it's a long day, you just want to die a little bit, <laughs> and you have other obligations or things, and you feel despair knocking, when you feel despair banging on your door, when you feel despair, kick your door in and come in and move into your living room and unpack its bags. Then you say the code word. And what this communicates to the people around you is, I feel the temptation to despair. But I want you to pray with me that God will open my eyes to the hope that we have. And what that does is it involves another human being because we, we're in community. You know somebody you're sitting beside somebody in church today or somebody's in front of you or behind you or you're in a small group. You have family that you live with. You have somebody. And when we say the code word, it says, I'm starting to feel the temptation to despair. I want to choose hope. So pray with me. Pray with me. And one, of, one or both of you will pray that God will open the eyes of your heart through the spirit of wisdom to reveal the hope that he has for you. Pastor Ron, that doesn't sound silly. That sounds, that sounds like a neat idea. Well, you haven't heard the code word yet. <laughs> you haven't heard the code word. The code word is donkey. Now, how did we come up with the code word? I asked my small group to help me come up with the code word, and I wanted a code word that was exceedingly silly. Some of you laughed. That's what we're hoping will happen. Because silliness is the antidote a lot of times to despair. In fact, seriousness is a sign that your relationship is dysfunctional. Chronic seriousness is a sign that there's some serious problems in your family. When you have sporadic silliness, it's a sign of health in the home. You know, chasing people around, tickle fights, spontaneous nerf wars, teasing each other, Lightly, fun. That silliness is a sign of health. It's good. But when we get serious, that's a sign that despair is creeping into our home. So, we want it to be exceedingly silly. That's the point. The code word is meant to bring silliness in a time and place where you are feeling serious. Where you are starting to, to doubt. When you are starting to despair. So, that's why we have the donkey. I asked my small group to help me come up with this word, and Jordan came up with the word donkey, so if it's really bad, then tell him about it. <laughs> and as soon as he said it, we came up with some, we were like, banana, pineapple, you know, and Jordan's like, donkey! <laughs> we all just busted up laughing. And so I'm like, okay, that's perfect. That's perfect. Donkey. Donkey. If you want to come up with a different word as your own family, you could do that. But I think donkey's pretty good. When you feel despair knocking, then you say, you just turn to donkey. Donkey. You could say it like a swear word if you want. All right? Donkey! And then that lets you know, hey, just come pray with me. 
come pray with me. Donkey, donkey. When you feel despair knocking, then say donkey. And that signals to your family, come and pray with me for us that God would open our hearts to the eyes of hope that's real and available right now. So, what if your family won't donkey with you? Then pick up the phone and find somebody who will. <laughs> right? Don't donkey alone. <laughs> the word works with so many levels. I just love it. Don't let despair stop the donkey. Pick up the phone and call someone else. Because becoming incredible means practicing hope. And I really, really want you to do this this week. And many of you are sitting there saying, I will never say that word again. Okay? So we're going to practice it. We are going to practice it. This will be your first time saying the word donkey. It is the code word saying, I need someone to pray with me that I will see hope rather than despair in this moment. So let's say it together on three. One, two, three. Donkey. That's not bad. We could do that again. One, two, three. Donkey. All right. So that's not too bad. That's not too bad. There are rules. We're almost done here. There are donkey rules because some of you will mess up this fun game. All right. Rule number one, do not ask, oh, what's wrong? Do you want to talk about it, sweetie? No, don't do that. You're going to ruin the donkey. They'll never donkey again. Okay. (laughs) You just say, oh, okay. Do you want me to pray or do you want to pray? No, you go ahead and pray. Okay. Dear God, I pray for Keith in this moment. He's just donkeyed. God, I pray that you'd show him hope. Help him see the reality of hope around us. Amen. You want a hug? Sure. Yeah. Right? That's how you donkey. You don't say, what's wrong? Because that's weird, okay? That's more weird than donkeying. And you'll never want to talk to me again. Rule number two, you don't use donkey to control people, all right? We don't say, donkey, I'm feeling despair because you are late once again for dinner, young man. Okay, we don't do that. We don't like turn it around and talk about how you need to fix this in your life and you need to do that better and you need to change this. And What were you thinking wearing that mask in church? Because that's exactly how your mom's going to say it when you get home. I love it. He has my permission. You're, you're cool with it. No, they're cool with it. It's fun. Right? You don't use donkey to get into some other business. Donkey is, I personally am feeling despair And I want you to pray that hope will abound in this place and that I'll see hope. Okay? That is how we use it. Don't use donkey to control people. Don't donkey and then say you need to talk. Okay? That's not what it's for. So, we have donkeyed. Let's practice once again on three. One, two, three. Donkey! All right, that's not bad. Now, since we have donkeyed, we're going to actually do this for real. Last week, after the service, where I asked you to do something, to do something, then a young lady came and sat next to me at the Mexican restaurant, and she donkeyed, okay? That's the best way to say it. She donkeyed. She said, this is what's going on in my life. I've got this, 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 and this. And I sat there, and I told her to grind it out, (laughs) right? You're in high school right now. It's going to suck. You know, you'll get through it. And so... And um, so 
what I want to do, and this week, as actually, as the conversation progressed, um, she's decided, with help, with God's help, with help from other students, to start a Bible club at her school. She goes to LH, and LH doesn't have a Bible club. They used to have a Bible club, but they don't have a Bible club at the high school. So she's going to try to start a Bible club, and we are going to support her as a church. So she's donkeyed. She said, I'm a teenager. I'm in a place in my life. It's hard, but I want to do something. I want to do something. I'm just going to sit and let it stink. I'm going to try to do something. So, succeed or fail, you're not doing it alone. So I'm going to invite Sarah to come up. Sarah, you have friends that you're going to bring with you so you don't have to stand up here alone. You're going to make them come up too? No? Yep. She said, yep. Lola, come on. She said she's not standing up here alone. I asked Melissa to come up and pray with her. Can we get Rebecca? Can you come up? Yeah, come on. She has donkeyed. <laughs> so I'm going to get a mic here. I asked Melissa ahead of time if she would pray over Sarah. And what we're praying is that God will use her to start her Bible club, that we as a church will su- support her and surround her. She's going to need some resources. And we're going to give to help her find those resources so she can do outreaches. She's going to need friends. If you go to LH, if you know somebody that goes to LH and you want to help out, then talk to Sarah. Don't leave her hanging alone, okay? We're going to pray over Sarah, and then I'll close. Dear Lord, we ask you to be with Sarah as she starts this new venture in uh, teaching your word to others and just help her do the best that she can, and help us support her in any way that we can. In your name we pray. Amen. Dear God, I trust you, and I believe you. You've sent your Son to transform our hearts from the death of despair to life and hope. So God, grant us a spirit of wisdom to open our eyes and our hearts to know what is the hope that you have called each of us to. Help us to see hope clearly this week. Help us to be silly in moments of despair as a throat punch to the enemy. God, help us become incredible by practicing hope in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.